Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to the Happy Mama Movement podcast. I'm Amy Taylor-Kavaz, mama, journalist, coach, and founder of Mama Rising. This podcast is a space of community and collaboration. We gather stories of matrescence, motherhood, womanhood, and change told by our Mama Rising coaches and mothers around the globe in the knowing that through our stories, we can begin to heal and change the way the world sees, values, and supports mothers everywhere. So, welcome to the Happy Mama Movement. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited to bring you my special guest today. I am having a bit of a moment. I have been a huge fan of Leonie Dawson for such a long time. I was just telling her, I think I bought her first, my first workbook from you, I don't know, probably eight years ago, I think by now. Um, So if you don't know, Leonie Dawson is an internationally best-selling author of the 2024 My Brilliant Year Workbooks, formerly known as the Goal Getter Workbooks, which have been used by over 500,000 people worldwide, including me. This has generated over $13 million in revenue while only working 10 hours a week and being a mama to two girls. She has won so many awards, is recognised in so many different places and also, I have to say, has a die-hard following. This energy that you're about to hear will make sense. When you know, once you are in her energy, it's just infectious. But there was something that I wanted to bring her on to the podcast about today. I saw it on Instagram and the minute I saw it, I thought, this is what I want Leonie to talk to you all about, especially because Leonie's energy is so usually bubbly and contagious and honest and bright and creative and flowery and all of the things. And then I read this. Sometimes I spend a lot of my time measuring up all my failings as a mother. I worry that I'm too introverted, that I don't engage enough, that I read too much, that I need quiet time in order to be okay in my body. I think I am less than the perfect mother because I need, I crave, I adore my work and I take time away each day to do it. I see so painfully all my failings, my spiky bits, the hard parts, and I hope my daughters can forgive me for them when they are older. The truth of parenting is I absolutely do not enjoy parenting every single minute of every single day, and I think it's downright bullshit and so harmful when any person claims to or tells you you should. 
I love my children deeply and ferociously. I would choose them again. I was born to be their mother. And still, it is hard. And fraught with the pains of being human, of living in a world with physical and energetic limitations. I've spent a long time feeling anxiety and shame about my inside feelings. I didn't think they were the right feelings to have, that it made me a bad person to have them, that I wasn't allowed to feel them, and I sure as fuck couldn't speak about them. I don't know what changed for me. All I know is once I started speaking my truth, my full truth, the one that isn't pretty or easily resolved or inspiring, life got deeper and a little more true. There's comfort here, a softness. I am doing the best I can. I cannot do everything. I cannot be like anybody else, but I can be the mother that I am. I can be me in all of this. Wherever you are on this big old path, I just want to send a wish from my heart that you and I both know we are allowed to have all our feelings, that we are worthy enough just as we are, and that we are the mothers we were destined to be. Leonie, that was actually quite hard to read out. I don't know if you could hear, but that is such a beautiful and powerful message. So first, can I just say thank you? for putting it in such beautiful, clear, vulnerable and honest words. How does that hear to hear that back? Oh, it feels like fresh and new, like somebody's like reading like their most private diary to me. And I also, yeah, like it's always fascinating when I hear my own writing back. Mm. And then I also just feel the ways as well that, just you know my heart hurts for myself when I I, like I know for so long why I had that belief that I had to be perfect and enjoy every moment Mm -hmm. and how hard it was to give up on on that and be gentle with myself and recognize reality Mm -hmm. um and so I offer up that big lesson of mine in any hope that if anyone's in pain that they can find comfort in that too. Yeah, well, I did and I know so many others did as well. I think maybe we could start with that beautiful beginning where you said you thought you needed to be less introverted, that you shouldn't read so much, that you shouldn't work so much, that you shouldn't, this real belief that my personality is going to affect or my needs or my way of living is going to affect the outcome of my children. Oh, mm. what a responsibility we put on ourselves around that. Mm. Yeah, and, you know, it's amplified because, um, you know, I think I was so judgmental of myself for those ways. And, like, I read all the parenting books before I even got pregnant, you know. I was so, like, so committed that I wanted to do to do it well. And I think that's a hard part when you're an over achiever and you know you're used to getting an A and stuff and you want to get an A um and then to discover that parenting you can't easily get an A but you're just gonna like absolutely um you know read everything and try and apply it and you're not going to be able to do it all um and that's a really really hard thing to come up against I remember like there was one book in particular that really set me in a big spin when I had my first daughter 
and I can't even remember the name of the book, but it was written by an anthropologist who wasn't a parent, um, but she talked about her anthropological perspectives of babies that don't cry and it's because they were held all the time. And it's kind of famous in like really crunchy, you know, hippie parenting Mm -hmm. communities. Um, But I took it so literally I didn't even put my daughter down for nine months and I developed such excruciating postnatal depression and anxiety that I couldn't sleep and my body was just rigid constantly. I used to remember that I would cook dinner um, and have to lay down as I like between stirs and have a panic attack on the floor. Um, And for me to realize like, oh, that's actually not taking great care of myself. Um, And I need to find a different way of doing this. I was living so much in reaction to wanting to do parenting differently from how my parents did it. Um, It was painful. And then to discover years later that I have autism. And so I actually don't survive well if I don't have alone time. I like it's the only way that I can fuel back up and be okay in myself is to have alone time and nobody on my skin. And there was so much, I felt like there was so much shaming around like if you're not skin to skin all the time. Yeah. When you think about that, you know, that young mama on the floor with her panic attack, I mean, gosh, I'm just flooded with compassion and sadness that that was your experience. But when you think back to it now, how do you feel or what do you see? Oh, I just see how much I was in such a hard place with that and what relief I feel knowing, you know, I'm 14 years in and I'm much more gentle on myself and um, I know what works for me or what doesn't. I'm more able to look after myself and I still can still do parenting in a way that was different from how I was raised but um, in a way that's much more in tune with who I am and who my kid is. Like the, the thing with all parenting books is that they don't take into account your individual needs or the needs of your child and who that kid is. Um, So, yeah, being a lot more softer around that is key. So what was that process from then to now? As you said, your eldest is 14 and you have Mm. another daughter who's 10 and, you know, um, that was a long and winding road to get to writing that post, I'm sure. So Mm. if someone's listening and, and, you know, was brought to tears hearing it like I was, Um, What has been that road to get from there to here? Ooh. Um, First, like, you know, for me, I've done a lot of, like, work um, in therapy. For me, though, like, just, like, cognitive behavioural therapy doesn't necessarily work very well for me, especially as a neurodivergent person. It's gold standard for neurotypical people, but not necessarily for neurodivergent people. It can make you kind of fixate on stuff even worse. So for me, what's worked best is working with like positive psychologists, intuitive healers, that kind of stuff, and really going deeper into it Um, and uncovering, you know, like a lot of my mothering wounds, unfortunately, were caused by my own mum and her expectations of what a good mother should look like and her judgment of other mothers um, made me very, very afraid to um, look at my feelings, to feel like, oh, I can't do everything. I need to 
um, treat myself well in this process and I'm not going to enjoy all of it because when you're raised with a parent who says every single moment with children is pure joy and if um, people don't feel that way then I find that very 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 sad um, you know but there's that kind of thing then when you're in the thick of postnatal depression with a baby who doesn't sleep and you have this voice in your head you're like well aren't I just the biggest fuck up on the planet you know yeah. aren't I just, just wrecking this whole situation mm. so to do that work of healing and being confident in myself in the way that I am and knowing that I'm going to give my kids a gift in that when they go in if they choose to become parents um I am going to say yeah it's fucking tough doll and I'm just here for you I'm yeah. here for whatever it looks like for you and whatever you need and whatever baby needs I'm just here for you mm-hmm. um, I'm not here to be mother of the year I'm not here to win any awards I'm just here to support what is um so I feel like that's a good gift that's come out of that situation yeah. It's almost like if you could say that to yourself in that moment, you know, to be Mm. that, if you could go back and say that. Um, Just a little side note, I have never heard the realisation that something like CBT may be more of a neurotypical um, therapy and it doesn't always work for That is mind-blowing for me. I'm sorry I haven't heard that before and everybody else knows that. I have children who are, um, you know, on different challenges and I've noticed that it doesn't work with one of them that's wow that's something it's it's a new revelation for me too don't worry um and I found this out because last year my assistant my wonderful assistant she has a degree in psychology and she's very very knowledgeable about this stuff and she was like hey I'm just noticing that you're really like in a spiral at the moment you can't get out of your own mindset so what's happening you know are you getting therapy you were going to therapy what's happening I said I was going to therapy and it was CBT but I just found it made me worse and she was like oh that's because you're neurotypical like you're neurodivergent doll and I was like what why didn't anyone tell me why wasn't anybody oh my gosh and there isn't necessarily a gold standard you're divergent people it is just based on whatever works for you in your experience and so for some people that means things like equine therapy is going to be the best for them because it's going to help the the nervous system feel at ease and allow them to work on whatever's happening in a way that works for them so I like went back to my kinesiologist after that and I was like this actually works shit tons better for me than therapy But, but, you know, it worries me so much how many mums do go down that traditional path and don't feel any different or feel worse and then stop mm. and go back to that story, the very original story, which is there's something wrong with me, I must be a terrible mother. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So, yeah, like the the hippie, like healing modalities work better for me. So mm. um, the work of Kerry Rowett in Hiroboga has been um, enormously helpful in resolving a whole bunch of my stuff around family and also because they can like see from an energetic level like oh what the, th- the story that you see happening here of like your mother is the grand supreme of all mothers and everyone else fails at your feet they can go and be like no it sounds like your mom's got some confidence issues and so that is the story she wants to tell but it's not a story that you have to tell yourself and that lands differently than the way that we talk yeah. through therapy. Wow. Mm. And so as you've done that work, I would love to talk to you also about, you know, the 
the courage to dive into those types of wounds and to explore that because that's also what I hear a lot from mums over the years that I've been holding spaces like this that they know there's something there but when you're also just knee deep in the toddlers and in trying to keep things above like I don't know if I, it's it's even healthy for me or if I have the ability to open that door so mm-hmm. again I'm wondering 14 years later you know there's there's how do we do this how do we process this so we can get to a stage where we're fully accepting of who we are when we're also trying to just keep the kids alive <laughs> oh it is bananas that bananas. it all happens and also the very fact that all of your stuff around your childhood will come up when <laughs> you become a parent because you are seeing like this other little being in the world and you're like for like noticing what it would have been like for you and the um, statistics show that you are more likely to start entering into conflict with your own parents and your own family of origin when you have your first baby because all of a sudden you're like you may have been able to be like the perfect daughter the best sister you know all those kinds of things and then all of a sudden you have a baby and you have to create your own tree and you have to break off your family of like your family tree in order to put your own stick in the ground and root it into the earth and build a tree for your own family it's the separation between family of origin and family of creation and there's going to be grief attached to that and there will be some resistance and that my resistance might come from you it might come from your parents you might come from your siblings being like why aren't you being exactly the person that we've always expected you to be this we you know we expect for you to do this and you're like well I can't fucking do that because I've got to keep this other being alive now and I can't be the same person because my primary um responsibility now is to this tiny little being not to these adults from my childhood Mm. I mean at the very core of my work is the idea of matrescence or this theory of matrescence where we really form a new identity through motherhood just like adolescence is that time between child and adult where we really everything not only hormones and physical changes but psychological changes social changes economic changes and it's this period we have to understand and support better and again you've just given me another element to drop into that about this moving from family of origin to family of creation that we're moving away from this sense of who I am in this family tree and needing to start again. And we're not only starting again there on our own, but we're doing that with a partner most of the time. And so you've got these two families of origins that are breaking apart and coming together. I mean, it's just mind-blowing that we don't acknowledge that this is actually the process of becoming a parent. Yeah. And forming your own family and forming your own family tree, like it is intense. And, it, you know, it nearly, that process nearly broke me. Like, you know, I felt like I had all of these responsibilities still to my family of creation and it felt like they were taking over, like my first my first loyalty was to my family of origin instead of my family of creation and it caused an enormous amount of conflict with my family, it caused an enormous amount of conflict with my partner. Um, and I felt so conflicted between this little being that I was trying to raise and then, but still fulfilling these other roles. And I had to go through that therapy process and really start setting 
really strong boundaries with my family of origin um, in order to, you know, emerge with pride in how I was able to parent and a good, strong relationship uh, with my husband and a good um, foundation for our family of creation. Mm, that's it because we're just p- planting the foundation now we have no mm. idea how this is going to grow and what the branches will be we were talking before we hit record about how different our children are like one will be the beautiful quiet sort of creative one and the other one's the wild one we don't know what we're planting and that's also incredibly scary <laughs> yeah and it changes over the ages as well like my chill kid was not a chill kid when she was a toddler like the you know the one that's the, the soft and sweet one now was like the first two years were so awful like yes that's it I know they swap personalities it's constant yeah. yes and they'll keep doing that for a bit more um mm. you said in your post as well that you don't know what's changed but you're suddenly you know able to speak like this and you're suddenly able to claim all of that I mean obviously you're referring to there's lots of therapy and inner work and whatever but do you think there's also been something that has allowed you to just finally say this is it this is who I'm I am I'm done or has it been a really slow process because again so often I think that we feel like there's going to be a moment (laughs) where suddenly we're going to feel okay with who we are and the role that we're playing Mm -hmm. and I think that's part of this myth you know you get that book or do that course and then suddenly I'm just going to feel different next week so yes what's no (laughs) yeah it was it was like long and winding and so you know with my first daughter I was going through such so much pain you know when I didn't have a kid when I had a kid who didn't sleep to I just had completely unrealistic expectations of parents my parents had completely unrealistic expectations of who I would be as a parent and as a daughter um it was it was a fucking schmozzle honestly and um of course I developed crippling postnatal depression and anxiety and then I would hear my mum's voice in the head going well I just don't understand what people don't have why people have postnatal depression it's just so sad they're just not enjoying their children it's like oh fuck, I love this child so much, but I am struggling. Um, and I remember hanging out with two friends one night and one of them said to me, one day you're going to write about this. You're going to write about your postnatal depression. And I said, are you fucking kidding me? I am like, at that point, I called myself a life coach. I was like, I am not, nobody wants to hear about me on the floor having a panic attack between stirs. And um, I was like so sure I would never write about it. And then I discovered like I would just start sharing a little bit more of the truth and um, a little bit more of what I was going through. And each time I would get these messages of like, oh, my God, me too. Yeah. Oh, my God, me too. I feel the same way. Thank God somebody else said it. And it just got me braver and bolder and as I kept on, you know, tending to myself and doing the therapy and stuff um I got to a point where I was like oh it's going to be healing for me to write about this and to share about this and say that it's not okay I don't have to live with this constant anxiety of just saying that everything's wonderful and every single moment's a joy mm-hmm. I can actually be truthful and that will help and what was the autism diagnosis um experience like what relief or peace or uncertainty did that bring 
Ooh, um, you know, for me, it was it was mostly shock because I had no clue. I was late diagnosed. And it was because a whole bunch of my friends over the space of six months all got their autism diagnosis and they'd share it with me. And I'd go, well, what the fuck? Two of the coolest people I know. This is so weird. This is the weirdest because I get along with you guys so well. And we actually like, this is weird. And then I thought, you know what? No, to be a good friend, what I'll do is I'll read up about it. And one of them had mentioned that it was autism symptoms are different for women than it is for boys because the founding research was based on little white boys, of course, because it always is. Um, So looking at uh, it from a female diagnosis. So I looked up the checklist for female autism and I read through it to try and understand my friends better. And it felt like all of my insights had been pulled out, like insights had just been spilled onto a page and every single thing I thought was unique about me was actually autism and I knew it was like the whole world fell out beneath me and I thought oh that's why that's the reason for everything that's the reason why I found it I was a late speaker. It's the reason why I didn't make friends until I was in year five. It's the reason why I decided um, that girls were too socially complex for me in high school. And so I was only going to hang out with boys because they were simple, like everything. It's the reason why. Um, And it felt like just an enormous revelation. So the self-diagnosis came first and that was like, oh, holy shit, the world falling out, but finally so much relief and knowing who I was. And then I didn't get formally diagnosed for like six years after that. And so when she was like, oh, yeah, by the way, you're di- like you're diagnosed with autism, I was like, no shit, obviously. <laughs> It'd be so funny if I wasn't. Yes, because, again, I've heard women often go down this path because their child is diagnosed, mm-hmm. like they go through the process. And we've had a number of beautiful mothers on the podcast who share that, like when they're in the doctor's office and the doctor's going through the, you know, the checklist and they're sitting there thinking, mm, that's kind of me actually. And it's yeah. both, a, you know, a ground shifting, falling apart, but also, oh, now that makes sense. And then mm. they start to rebuild this new sense of identity along with their mm. child at the same time. So I've heard how it can very much bring both of those senses. Yes. Yeah. I mean, the shock for me was in the autism diagnosis. She was like, oh, by the way, you've also got ADHD. And I was like, sorry? <laughs> hey, what? Hey, now? She's like, yeah, like your working memory is not good. And I was like, what? Uh, so it it was... That was a more emotional experience to discover that because I just wasn't expecting it. Yeah. And how did you process that? Um, I thought about it for a while and like it started making more sense. Um, And then when I decided to go to a psychiatrist, you know, to try out medication and stuff, it was like, I definitely felt a huge amount of grief around it because uh, the ADHD stuff is the stuff that's actually caused me more stress in my life than autism I think like oh why can't why is like housekeeping like such a challenge for me and why do I find laundry just the worst thing on fucking earth Mm. oh this is why and then building in the supports around that um, has been has been useful however I did definitely find with the the ADHD diagnosis that um, 
I definitely experienced, you know, when you, when you get diagnosed with ADHD, you can have an, ex, uh, an exacerbation of your symptoms. So I think I had about six months where I just drove myself crazy with my ADHD-ness because I was like, oh, I can't remember that. That's because of my executive functioning. And it just makes it so much worse. It's just this little disgusting part of it. But now it's fine. Okay. Well, thank you for saying that, though, because, you know, this is the point, isn't it? We want to normalise all of these reactions and experiences Mm. and changes. Um, And then when I think about how prolific you have been, over the last how many years? When was your first goal getter workbook? When did that all begin? Uh, I um, the first goal getter book came out two thousand and nine, um, but I've been blogging since two thousand and four, and I've been selling online since two thousand and two. Wow, yeah, that's just amazing to have gone through all of that as well. Two children, those different experiences. Um, yeah, it's almost like that was your expression of who you were and we've all seen that evolve and change and it just always feels so incredibly real. It's what I've always loved about everything you put out there. There is, well, from my perspective, and I know that it's true, there is no real strategy in the sense of who you're pretending to be. There's lots of strategy in terms of you've got a brilliant business brain. The intention has always been this is who I am, can we stop pretending we need to be somebody else, let's do this. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I, it doesn't make sense to me why I would start a job where I could fake more things. Like, you know, I I kind of had two career choices really. Like I started in the Australian government in Canberra and I could have just stayed in that forever, you know, but I was like, no, I really want a creative, soulful career about my passions. So I could stay and keep pretending, you know, to be someone or not. Or I could create a business and I'm not going to turn around and like create the same effect in my business of trying to be someone I'm not you know like I want this to be like a a real expression of me plus it's too exhausting to try and be yes I mean knowing you now and knowing this beautiful energy I can't imagine you in a government job in Canberra I mean but this is what so many of us discover in motherhood as well is Mm. that you know we discover this other passion this creativity this side of ourselves that maybe I want to start a business or maybe I want to do something different. I can't fit back into that box again. And I think that's also so many women come to things like this because that's how they feel. There's something changed in them and they look back and go, oh, I can't go and do that again. And so they start looking at what else can I do? What do I love? What do I want to create and contribute? Mm. I was like, I do want to be clear. Like I was always nuts in the public service as well. Like I used to have like hugging competitions and I'd hug like 300 people in a department in one day and just, you know, let's go. Like, just like I would like have angel card readings at my desk and give like managers little massages in the lifts. And I always said it was like taking glitter into the belly of the beast, you know, just take glitter wherever you go. So like I tried to bring as much nuts as I could, but this is just like nuts. Yes. Times a million. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I mean, I really am so incredibly grateful for that post and for the way that you are talking about this and the honesty and, and vulnerability of um, our spiky bits, the, um, the ugly bits of this experience. Um, as you said, when your daughters grow and if they decide to be parents, this is what I hope they will be okay to share and feel right from the beginning. I think we almost need to be talking to them as teenagers about how these inside bits feel and it's okay to say them out loud and share with them and that's how we do it as mums first. So, yeah, thank you. I think like the best thing that I can ever say to my 
kids is like when they do something wrong or embarrassing or whatever, I'm like, oh my God, babes, wait to hear what I've done. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Um, like I remember when my one of my kids was so much younger and but she wet her pants and she was so upset about it. And you know, I cleaned her up and then I was like, wait to hear about this. When I was pregnant with you, I spewed so much that I wet myself and I shit myself at the same time as I was spewing. She was like <laughs> disgusting. And I was like, still going to be like way messier than you, babes. Yeah. And I'm okay. And we can laugh about it now. Yeah. 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 Like, can you imagine me like just out on the, out on the ground in the front yard? Just bleh, bleh. <laughs> okay. Magic. <laughs> Magic. We've all been there. Who hasn't? Who hasn't shit themselves? Exactly. While vomiting. <laughs> We've all done that. <laughs> oh, thank you. I absolutely adore you and your energy and your work. And thank you for sharing this with this amazing community. I'll put all of the details for how people can follow and connect with you in the show notes. But thank you for your divine honesty, Leone. It's, um, it's truly unique and needed. Oh, bless you, Amy, and thank you for doing the work to create this space for people. It's just so important that we have these talks and that we can be real with each other. We can be hags together, you know, just creating our little coven of hags. (laughs) Oh, my God, I love that. I feel like you need to do a drawing around that for us. (laughs) Okay, done. Yes, that's actually... (laughs) Sure, I've got a task list that I could do today, but... Pretty sure my assistant will understand if this is what I get distracted with instead. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. (laughs) Lots of love, Amy. Thank you. Thanks, as always, for being a part of our global matrescence community. Please take a moment and make sure you're subscribed to this podcast in your podcast player so you can always be notified of our next episode. And if you would like to work with a coach on your own experience of matrescence, please go to mummarising.net and explore our directory of phenomenal coaches, workshop leaders, space holders and facilitators around the globe. You can also explore our Global Matrescence Foundation and consider donating so a mama in need can access the support of one of our coaches and still ensure that our coaches receive the income and support they need so they can continue to work in this way. And finally, if you would like to be a coach, a facilitator and a matrescence activist in your own community, jump on our wait list for our next intake of the Mama Rising Facilitator Training at mamarising.net. Thank you for being here and being part of this movement. Until next week, bye. the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.